For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, with our latest readout video from our Wednesday Wake Up Newsletter. And while we're feeling a bit less anxious about which way the wind is blowing on social media now that Elon Musk is buying Twitter, we do still encourage you to sign up for the newsletter just in case we get deplatformed. And speaking of which way the wind is blowing and bad platforms, we mentioned last week that for all its subsidies, wind in the UK was supplying less than 4% of total energy needs. Yet now we read that in the United States, quote, wind places as second largest electricity generation source at end of March, end quote. Hooray, a booming industry. But at the same time, we read, quote, we're all in trouble, wind turbine makers selling at a loss, end quote. So which way is it blowing? Down, apparently. It seems the only reason wind outpaced some of its rivals is that the rivals were, quote, called upon to reduce their output, end quote. So pay no attention to the central planner behind the curtain, the governments who've invested so much money and prestige in wind that when it produces too much power, they deliberately reduce the supply from more reliable and affordable sources and call it an achievement. And here's another disappointment for alarmists, courtesy of Dr. Jennifer Marahazi. Quote, it is all over the news, right across the world. The Great Barrier Reef is bleaching again, she says. Children can't sleep at night. It is not only the war in the Ukraine keeping them awake at night, but also our apparent disregard for nature, end quote. And then, having mocked the nightmares of innocent youth, this awful woman follows up by doing something neither journalists nor government-funded reef scientists bother to do. She goes where the damage is supposedly taking place, straps on some scuba gear, and takes 360 lovely pictures of the reef flourishing. Has she no respect for the scientific method? That method being, in her description, that the mainstream Australian Institute of Marine Science tows observers behind a boat and they look down occasionally and make a guess. Quote, These guesstimates from the Ames researchers looking down at corals while being towed behind a boat over about 200 reefs are then tallied up to give a percent coral cover for the entire Great Barrier Reef. But, to reiterate, not a single direct measurement is actually made and there are no photographs or video, end quote. Until hers, we mean. Meanwhile, the Atlantic's weekly planet seems positively over the moon that big tech is pouring nearly a billion dollars into sucking CO2 right out of the air. And what more could a progressive outfit ask for than for capitalists to change the weather? But what if it works? What if they actually manage to get atmospheric carbon back down to 280 parts per million? Isn't anyone worried that it'll get colder and crops will die? Besides, we ask again, how does anyone know what the ideal temperature really is? Why prefer 1970 to 1170? Has anyone surveyed people about whether they want it to get chillier and the plants to wilt? Or are big government and big business just going to do it and shoosh to all you little people? After all, when humans seek to alter their conditions of their own existence in a massive, bold lurch into the unknown by the vanguard of history, those ignorant of history are liable to shrug and ask, what could possibly go wrong? And now, a word from our sponsor. And that's you. Or at least it should be. Because if you want us to keep annoying the right people with our newsletters and our videos, you, our regular viewers, need to step up with a one-time or monthly contribution. I'm not talking a lot of money, unless you're, like, extra rich. The price of a cup of coffee a month, that's what we need from the 10,000 or so people who tune in weekly. If you do that, the video and the newsletter will keep bringing sanity to the climate debate and to you. And now, back to me.
In keeping with the new messaging that there's this hideous climate crisis we can easily fix if we act now, National Geographic tells us, quote, forests are reeling from climate change, but the future isn't lost, end quote. Reeling? Look out your window, past them trees, to them other trees. Especially in Canada, where we have 360 million hectares of them, the same as we've had for 30 years running. But then unplug your ears, because National Geographic's follow-up is, quote, we really need to hear these poor trees scream, end quote. So here's a question. If a tree reels in the forest and there's nobody to hear it scream, what even daffier headline can we write? On Twitter, there's no contest and no limit. Recently, Canadian columnist Terence Corcoran was hit with this thoughtful critique, quote, The climate change lying, denying, and obfuscating Terence Corcoran is at it again. Here he is trotting out the little Ice Age myth, end quote, which Corcoran cheerfully retweeted, along with the original lying, denying, and obfuscating story about a fascinating Canadian project. Now you laugh. To map the Little Ice Age in Britain, using an interactive GIS system to plot historical accounts of horrendous weather in the 16th, 17th, and 18th centuries that brought stuff like floods and brutal cold snaps, high winds, lurid cartoons of the Welsh climbing trees while their cattle floated past their church spire, birds literally falling dead and frozen from the skies, plus famine, hoarding, and quote, the story of Yarmouth floodwaters that swept away an innkeeper and his son, along with their home and tools, and deposited them all six miles away into an inhospitable marsh, end quote. So, maybe Google can bring back those sorts of exciting adventures through carbon capture. We have to add that the director of this worthwhile Canadian initiative, Madeline Bassnett, is not a climate scientist, she's a literary historian. Quote, tree rings don't tell you how fast the wind was blowing, and they don't give you context. They don't tell you about how it felt to be in that extreme weather. I think there's something to be said about combining the two sciences and seeing how that might impact people's understanding of the climate at that time, end quote. And if you're wondering why a government would fund this sort of research that implies there was a little ice age and the weather was bad, well, she checked the key box with, quote, maybe we can learn from the past and see what we can integrate today in terms of our own thinking and grappling with our future, end quote. Yeah, like, thank goodness it warmed up naturally after that miserable episode, and what idiot wants it to get cold again? To which the answer is a lot of companies, apparently, including Canadian energy companies who hope their government will eat them last, and energy multinationals who are actually lobbying for their own extinction within their trade associations, in the pages of newspapers, and in the halls of government, like some especially batty modern-day Marie Antoinette, urging the Committee on Public Safety to step up its measures against those selfish aristos. And look, we appreciate the business mindset of win-win, but when you're dealing with activist zealots, it amounts to bringing a sandwich to a knife fight, and then being surprised that you end up on the menu, not at the table. In the newsletter, we also continue our virtual CDN by the Sea tour by hovering over Juneau, Alaska. And in keeping with proposed new Canadian laws against spreading climate disinformation on the internet, we must tell you that the graph you're looking at is upward sloping. Which isn't surprising since Alaska, being near the Arctic, is especially hard hit by climate change along with every other place. So its sea levels must be rising rapidly, and as you can see, they are. From 1980 to the present, by nearly 15.5 millimeters per year, and to make it even scarier, rising downward. Where will it all end? Well, at the current rate, the seas will rise by a meter in Juneau in just minus 65 years. Terrible. And if they do, we'll be told climate change is responsible and it's bad, because of the unwritten rule that in this field you can point to any bad weather and claim it's getting worse without bothering to cite any data. For instance, extreme rainfall, because of the simplistic truism that warmer air can hold more water, so let a downpour occur, and alarmists say, gotcha, 
Even though in the places where good data go back at least a century, like Canada and the US, there's none of that pesky actual evidence for increasing maximum rainfall events. And now you can add Italy to the list of places where the evidence doesn't suggest an increasing trend. It used to, but somebody went back and checked the earlier primitive recording methods against modern ones and found that the upward trend was washed away completely, for which, obviously, we blame climate change. In the newsletter, we also dip into the CO2Science.org archive to see whether global warming, as predicted, is causing range contractions for birds, given that all effects of warming are bad. Seems that in Britain, between 1994 and 2009, those feathered clods instead expanded their range. And there is something you can now tweet. For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson.